You're listening to Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. I'm Celeste A. Frazier, your hostess. I'm an ordained New Thought minister who embraces all faiths. I've pastored a few spiritual communities, written a few books, performed in various media. I write, produce, and perform. I am a visioning facilitator, a diversity, equity, and inclusion facilitator. And with Mystic Magic, we explore amazing guests to find out what the divine reveals through us and how we may benefit from this magnificence. Stay tuned. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. The other day, the autopsy came out that was conducted on Manuel Esteban Paez Terran, an environmental activist. He was killed three months ago during a police raid of a public park. Mr. Terran was protesting to protect the forest instead of the construction of the planned cop city structure that was meant to train police officers. They said he shot first, but there was no gun residue on his hands. Mr. Tehran had 57 gunshot wounds in his body. They didn't have enough letters of the alphabet to label his injuries, so they had to use the alphabet over again. The day before the autopsy came out, the family of Tyree Nichols filed a federal $550 million lawsuit against the city of Memphis, its police department. And what the suit said were unqualified, untrained, and unsupervised officers assigned to a special unit who brutally beat the 29-year-old Black man after a traffic stop in January of this year. Tyree was repeatedly punched and kicked by Memphis police officers following a traffic stop and brief foot chase January 7th. He was hospitalized and died three days later. Memphis leaders passed a measure that ends police stops for minor infractions three months after Tyree Nichols' death. The lawsuit filed by lawyers for Nichols' mother, Roe Vaughn Wells, said that the fatal beating was the direct and foreseeable product of the unconstitutional policies, practices, customs, and deliberate indifference of the city of Memphis and its police officials. I don't know, sometimes it seems like people have to sacrifice their lives in order for society to do the right thing. You know, she said it has nothing to do with the monetary value of the lawsuit, but everything that has to do with accountability. They murdered my son. They beat him to death. And they need to be held accountable, along with everyone else that has something to do with my son's murder. Now, the policemen were adorned in department sweatshirts and vests. And their actions were sanctioned expressly and implicitly by the city of Memphis, the suit said. And the lawsuit said that Tyree arrived at a hospital with no pulse. He suffered cardiac arrest and his face was swollen to the point of being unrecognizable. That same day, 
an 84-year-old man was charged in the shooting of 16-year-old Ralph Yarrow on April 13, 2023. Andrew Lester, the shooter, was charged with first-degree assault and armed criminal action in Clay County. He surrendered on Tuesday at the county jail. Later that day, Lester posted bond and was released from custody. The law said he should be on a 24-hour hold, but he was released within the hour, probably within the half hour. If I'm getting my information correctly, it was about 20 minutes that they held him. So he entered court, this 84-year-old Lester, with a cane, and his attorney pleaded not guilty on his behalf. April 13th, Ralph Yarrow, a 16-year-old African-American teenager, was shot and wounded after ringing the doorbell to the wrong house in Kansas City, Missouri. Ralph was attempting to pick up his twin brothers and ended up at the wrong address, according to family members. Andrew Daniel Lester, an 84-year-old white man, was charged in connection with the shooting on April 17, 2023. He was charged with criminal action, and first-degree assault, which is the equivalent of attempted murder in Missouri. And the Clay County District Attorney said that there was a racial component to the shooting. If convicted, Lester faces 10 years to life in prison. Now, the Sunday before that, 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis, a white woman, was killed after she and her friends accidentally turned into the wrong driveway in rural upstate New York. There were four teens in the car, but they didn't have cell service, Blake Walsh, the driver said. And so they didn't have any kind of GPS to tell them where they were. So when Mr. Monahan started shooting, Blake stepped on the gas, but by then Caitlin had already been shot twice. This was a rural area with dirt roads. And Mr. Monahan was charged with second-degree murder. All of that happened within a week. Now, I don't know if you've been frightened by this turn of events, but I sure was. First of all, I get lost when driving, and I'm not always in a good part of town when I find myself lost. Not that that matters, but you can't help to think that that might have been me. There are different demographics here, Black, Latino, White. Male, female, adults, minors. Now to me, freedom and safety go together. I was thinking about forgiveness. I was thinking about freedom. I was thinking about community. You know, and what is the relationship between community and forgiveness? What is the relationship between freedom and forgiveness? In my book, Divine Workplay, 52 Weeks of Practicing the Presence, that I wrote back in 2017, Week 13 is entitled The Freedom of Forgiveness. And I talk about how Ernest Holmes says that the ultimate goal of life is to be free from all discord and that this can be attained by all of us. So I went to look on Facebook and my good minister buddy Galen had posted, if the news doesn't influence you to pray, I don't know what will. And I laughed. Not the first time, but the second time, like in the alignment there. And if you look at the scriptures, it says the Pharisees 
had a version of God who was unforgiving. And you know what? We have Pharisees living inside of us and they need to be evicted. We have grievances and the grievances contaminate every area of our lives. When I feel a grievance, it's a negative emotional energy that distorts my awareness of an event or it influences the way that I behave towards someone. Even though the grievance occurred in the past, I have stumbled across grievances that I didn't even know I had. And they could be over decades, right? But when it came time for healing, which is when you feel all of that emotional gunk, right? It's ugly. So I had to look to see what I was harboring. And we all need to be vigilant about our thoughts and emotions. Otherwise, the venom of unforgiveness will make a home in our bodies and cause disease, right? So the baggage of old thoughts and emotions make us crazy when we're unforgiving. So we've got to stay in the present moment. Right here, right now, all is well. And if the ultimate goal is to be free from all discord, the only place that freedom can happen is in this now moment. The universe exists in the now. Easter's past, but there was a lot of talk around that time of rolling the stone away, right? That's like removing whatever is blocking your heart. Our hearts are open when we truly love. And look, unforgiveness is too heavy to carry around. It gets in the way of love. Now, I have been around police officers my whole life. When I was born, my father was already a cop. By the time I finished college, my brother was a cop. And since then, after my brother retired, my nephew is a police officer. So I know police officers are human. And, you know, there's had to be a lot of forgiveness, you know, in my family. You know, and I finally made up my mind that I'm not going to make him wrong or separate from me. I'm forgiving him for the last time. It means I'm never going to have a reason to forgive him again. This is my intention, right? Because when I finally got around to forgiving years of stuff, right, it freed me up and it freed up other family members too. But all those people I mentioned earlier, they were shot doing something based on love, picking up a sibling, hanging out with friends, right? I think about Jesus on the cross, blessing those who persecuted him. And I thought, well, Jesus was asking God to forgive his persecutors. So how that breaks down with us is that we're calling for our higher self to inform our lower level thinking self, not to be concerned with others' actions. Because the real deal is our relationship with God. Right? Like Mother Teresa says, you know, it's not about other people. It was always about you and God, me and God. So if I give someone else the power to affect my happiness, I'm tied to them and imprisoned by them. But if I believe I'm free, I'm not attached to their behavior. Their behavior is a reflection of their pain and confusion. And I don't want to participate in that drama. And when I'm healed, I don't attract that kind of energy. 
This is no judgment on people who were innocently killed. This is about what we are conscious of and what we can control. You know, Dr. King said you can't stop hate with hate, right? So, you know, evil is an experience. Experiences are temporary. What is real is eternal. We get a lesson with every experience. The spiritual law is the mind acting on itself. It's neutral, right? The presence acting upon itself, the divine acting upon itself as me. So we don't have to judge each other. You know, the psyche of humans is expressed through archetypes. Carl Jung taught us that. You know, the ego, the persona, the shadow, the anima, the animus, and the self. So these avatars are symbols who recognize polarities. And it's up to us to embody dynamic equilibrium. That's an active balance, right? God knows I have issues with balance because I'm a Libra. But, you know, I don't always feel that dynamic equilibrium. Libras are ever seeking balance. Maybe you are too. But the deal is God could never be unforgiving because God is love and love sees us as perfect. You know, I don't really care for that name, God. I mainly use Elohim or the divine or source or creator. The creator is love and love sees us as perfect. You know, those times when you fall in love, you don't see any flaws with the person, right? It may come later, <laughs> but at that moment when your heart is open, they seem perfect, right? And they are ultimately at the level of spirit. It's when ego gets in the way that our perceptions get distorted. So the creator continues to guide us and direct us when we are willing to listen. And I'm going to say we're always ready to listen, whether we know it or not. So if there's pain, that's a clue that there's forgiveness work to do right now, not later. Trust me, you don't want it eating away at you and causing disease. So I invite you to trust freedom. Roger Teal has a book, This Life is Joy. And one of the things that he says in it is, this ride called life is filled with so many opportunities disguised as challenges. They say that the Chinese symbol, Weiji, means both crisis and opportunity. So each time we reach a crucial point in our lives, we know that things are going to change. We don't know how, but we hope to be strong enough to survive it. Survive really means becoming a newer, more powerful self. So I invite you not to hide from it and to face it. Trust freedom. You know, our unconscious activity relies on our current stressors. So if you think about what your current stressors are, and you think about some of the stuff that you do that doesn't make sense, right? That you wouldn't do if you were in a neutral state of mind, if you were in a clear state of mind, right? Because awake people engage their soul force. And the soul force is when you listen to your spirit, when you listen to that divine guidance, 
trust freedom. I like to turn the word peace into an acronym. Powerful energy accessing compassion everywhere. Right? You like that? Dalai Lama in a book called Ethics for the New Millennium said, compassion is our ability to enter into and share others' suffering. That doesn't mean we all are going to have a pity party or be miserable together. But it makes me come to the conclusion that anytime we're using the word them, we could consider it as an acronym. Those hurting, evoking me. So it's not an us and them thing, which is our default lately, right? Concerned with what they're doing. But again, they didn't install the button. They may have pushed it. So we have an opportunity to be community. And maybe all this stuff is coming up for us to heal, right? Because being community, we work together. We don't point out what's wrong with this party or that party or that race or this race or that gender or the other gender or those who want to have children and those who don't and those who can't and those who might and those who are finding a relationship with themselves that is not the same as the gender on the birth certificate. It's really none of our business. If we're truly walking each other home, then we need to find ways to connect. Dr. Michael Beckwith says in his book, Manifesto of Peace, every soul is on a perpetual pilgrimage to an ever-expanding realization with the all. What results is a vulnerable heart opens so widely and compassionately that one cries out for all of humanity as its very own, as one's very own. Could you imagine seeing everyone as, you know, yours? Not that you can possess another human being, but rather than being disconnected, saying, wow, my heart is open wide enough to just embrace you wherever you are. Now that calls for some vulnerability. And I don't think we need to be afraid of being vulnerable because when we're vulnerable, we're the most authentic, the community. I was on a call with Marianne Williamson, as you know, is running for president. It wasn't just me, it was some other spiritual leaders on the call. And she was talking about what she could do. You know, she's on the campaign trail. And so I asked, how are you going to keep them from killing us? I was in that us and them mindset at that point. They're killing us with guns and they're killing our finances. And I didn't even realize I was in separation in that moment. And she talked about who she would gather together to, you know, look at the issues. And she mentioned Cory Booker and someone else. And, and that they're not going to stop until they find a way to address it. And then she said, not just me, we'll all do it together. And I think it does require all of us to do it together. It requires us to be community. But fear takes us out of we and into us and them, doesn't it? But when I'm aware of my oneness with God, I know my oneness with every life. I truly do in those moments. And what I know is that all dis-ease comes from a state of unforgiveness. The very person you find hardest to forgive is the one you need to let go of 
inside of you. So, you know, forgiveness really means letting go. And there's an aspect of me that I'm not aware of that requires it to out picture through someone else. So forgiveness is not so much about condoning somebody else's behavior. It's really about being willing to love. When you're willing to love, it's easy to forgive. And the universe will take care of the how. We grow in God by resting in God. So we can trust in the potentiality that we are greater than we know. That feels much better. We are light beings. We are the light of the world, right? And each of us are definitely connected to one another by this light of love. And it's the spirit in me that acknowledges the spirit in you. It is this spirit that we share that makes it possible for us to understand each other and to connect with each other. Divine support gives me a whole new sense of purpose. I sense the power of the presence emerging from within my soul. When I'm in my spiritual practice, when I am aligned with spiritual principle, I push through fear and I live a life that matters. I embrace the magnificent possibilities for myself and for all of life. Being community requires that. Abraham Hicks said, we radiate what we are vibrationally and others of like intent assemble, right? It's like the law of attraction, right? So look around you and see who you've attracted. Don't go into judgment. Just notice because that's an opportunity for healing and an opportunity for love. Because everybody who comes into my space is bringing me a lesson about me. So it would serve me to pay attention to the lesson. And if I'm willing to consider something beyond my usual way of thinking, then maybe there's a greater gift that they've brought that I have yet to realize. There's only one of us here. So the creator is moving you out of a limited place and offering you more possibilities for your life. Let yourself be entertained by it. It wants your joy, your peace, and your divine power to be completely expressed. And so the last point I want to make is something that occurred to me when I read the Gospel of Mary. And they're in the middle of a scene, and there's a discussion between Jesus and his disciples. It's right after the resurrection. Jesus is answering the questions about the end of the material world and the nature of sin. And he's teaching them at present, all things, whether material or spiritual, are interwoven with each other. And in the end, that will not be so. Each nature will return to its own root, its own original state, its own destiny. But meanwhile, the nature of sin is tied to the nature of life in this mixed world, right? Because not all of us realize that we're spiritual beings. Some of us think that we're physical beings or material beings, right? When people center error, sin is an archer return, which means missing the mark. So people miss the mark because they don't realize their own spiritual nature 
And instead, they love the lower nature that deceives them and leads them to dis-ease and death. And salvation, well, that's achieved by discovering within oneself the true spiritual nature of humanity and overcoming the deceptive entrapments of bodily passions and the world. We're not isolated at borders, counties, states, cities. God didn't do that. We created these constructs of separation. So Jesus concludes his conversation with the teaching of the apostles to be, right? They, they were disciples when he was in an earthly body. When he moved into his other dimension, they became apostles because he was inviting them to spread the word. So he warns them about people who would delude them into following some kind of leader or some set of rules and laws. And he was inviting them to seek humanity within themselves and gain inward peace. And after he commissioned them to go forth and preach the gospel, he left. George Washington Carver the mystic who discovered the magic of peanuts said, no individual has any right to come into this world and go out of it without leaving behind them distinct and legitimate reasons for having passed through it. Why are you here? What's your legitimate reason? When you trust freedom, you're free to look for it. Listen for it. When you're in community, we can help each other find it. Thanks for tuning in today. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to check out our show notes for more information about today's episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and all of your favorite podcast venues. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives.